better health begins at Tidelands Health, dedicated to keeping the communities we serve healthy and active. That's why we're proud to present our podcast series, Better Health Radio, brought to you by Tidelands Health. Here's Bill Klaproth. According to the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, almost one million joint replacements are done each year with many more going through some type of hip or knee surgery. My guest today is Dr. Daniel Single. He is an orthopedic surgeon with Tidelands Health. Dr. Single, thank you for being here with us today. What are you seeing as the most common complaints for hips and knees today? Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Um, With hips, um, I see a lot of patients, young, active uh, patients, um, some older patients that are complaining of hip and groin pain. Typically, um, our osteoarthritis, which is the most common form of arthritis that we treat, <clears throat> will oftentimes present with pain in the front part of their hip near the groin, uh, less commonly in the buttock, and it's usually worse with weight-bearing. So uh, common complaints are, you know, Doc, if I've been sitting and I go to get up, those first few steps are kind of stiff and achy, you know, or they may start noticing they have, they're having difficulty putting their shoes and socks on or getting out of chairs. And... Um, that's usually what prompts them uh, to come uh, visit us. Um, with knees, it's very similar complaints. You know, usually dull, achy pain after periods of inactivity, or um, if they've been on their uh, legs quite a bit during the day, they get off at the end of the day, and their knees will kind of be sore and achy. And um, typically, when it starts affecting their quality of life, it keeps them from doing things that they like to do, or starts affecting their ability to sleep. That's usually when we find that patients are coming in and, and seeking consultation with us. So when you say younger, as far as hip pain goes, how young are you talking about? Well, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Uh, we're starting to see patients now, sometimes even in their 40s, um, that are presenting with conditions of the hip that sometimes need to be treated surgically, which um, wasn't as common, I would say, maybe 15 or 20 years ago. But we're starting to get uh, patients that are coming in with um, Arthritis that I tell people sometimes, you know, they have the hips of a 70-year-old. But Mm. our target audience tends to be, you know, that patient who's between, let's say, 60 to 80 years old. I'd say that makes up the bulk of the patients that we're treating with hip and knee uh, replacement surgery. Uh, But, again, we're starting to skew a little bit younger for a variety of different reasons, I think. Do you think that's because more of inactivity or because people are more active jogging and weight training and doing all those things. What do you think that is? I think a couple of reasons. I think that for the younger patient population, I think that there probably is something to, um, you know, overactivity. I think we're starting to see a lot of uh, people that are now entering their 40s and their 50s that were athletes um, in their younger years and, you know, kind of year-round athletes. And I tell patients the injuries that, that occur when you're in your teens and in your 20s Although we have treatments for them and, you know, you you may do well in the midterm or kind of long term for 20 years, you know, those injuries kind of stay with you and oftentimes will lead to further problems down the road. So, yeah, a lot of times when we're dealing with patients that are in their 40s or early 50s, you'll get a history from them that they injured their knee playing football uh, when they were in high school or in college and um, the knee just got gradually worse over time or the hip got gradually worse over time. And then I also think that there's obviously an obesity epidemic in this country which I think really has more to do with the food supply than it does with the activity level of uh, the population. I think that nowadays with uh, so many foods being processed and a lot of fat, salt, and sugar being in pretty much everything that we eat, 
it leads to obesity problem, which again just increases the what are called joint reactive forces across the joint, which can degrade the cartilage at a quicker pace. Well, carrying that extra weight certainly can make a difference on those joints. So sticking with the hips, are there things that we can do to protect our hips or exercise our hips so we can stave off any of these problems till much later in life? I would say yes and no. I mean, again, a lot of it is, I think, happenstance. You know, people get injured doing various things. I mean, but we all have to live our lives. But in terms of you know, keeping your joints healthy. I'm a big advocate of, again, people keeping their weight within reason, um, low impact uh, aerobic exercise or um, non-impact aerobic exercise. So I'll, I'll kind of steer my patients away from things like running or jumping uh, on a routine basis and try to steer them towards things like uh, cycling or rowing, uh, ellipticals or steer machines, which are low impact or no impact. Swimming is excellent. Walking is very simple and easy and, and really um, something that everybody can do. Um, and sort of the same applies for knees. Um, again, uh, you're trying to avoid, um, you know, uh, injuries that can occur sometimes with starting and stopping or um, putting uh, your hip or knee into extremes of motion where sometimes you can tear meniscal cartilage or tear, you know, hip labral uh, cartilages, which can lead to problems down the road. So paying attention to the less, impa less impactful forms of exercise can certainly help with knees and hips. So when it comes to injuries, what is the first line of defense for injuries or arthritic pain? Yeah, um, again, there's a, a variety of things that we talk about in the office. Um, normally, when people first start having symptoms, we will, again, obviously counsel them on some of the things we just talked about, you know, activity modification, uh, we'll ask questions as to, um, you know, what type of exercise they're doing or if they're doing any exercise at all and try to steer them towards the ones that, again, I think are going to be a little bit more joint friendly. Uh, again, weight loss is important, I think. Um, you know, trying to keep your um, uh, body mass index within a reasonable uh, range. Obviously, proper nutrition. You know, you are what you eat. Um, staying away from some of those foods that we mentioned, I think, is helpful and sticking more towards I think a, a more plant-based diet and lean cuts of meat and staying away from salt, fat, and sugar to any extent that you can, I think is important. And then, you know, if you're coming in uh, hurting, we'll talk to you about, you know, things like Tylenol or acetaminophen or different non anti-inflammatories that can be taken as first-line agents to try to decrease pain and inflammation. Um, if those are not successful, uh, sometimes we'll inject joints with a, a variety of different agents. Usually cortisone is our first-line agent to decrease inflammation over a short period of time. But if that's not successful, sometimes <clears throat> we'll use joint lubricants in the knee. Um, currently, they're not FDA-approved for other joints, but some doctors will inject them into other joints, too, to try to help lubricate the joint better to de decrease pain. Um, so those kind of make up the bulk of what we'll usually discuss. Uh, there are other things that patients will oftentimes ask about, whether or not they should use ice or heat. You know, and I tell patients that that's sort of dealer's choice. What I find is for arthritic joints, uh, heat usually is more comforting than, than ice, but some patients will swear uh, the opposite. Um, compression sleeves can sometimes give people increased awareness of their joint. So if they have a sore knee, we'll sometimes recommend maybe putting a a neoprene sleeve or some sort of a knee sleeve over it, which keeps the joint warm and also gives the brain extra proprioceptive feedback as to where the joint is in space, which usually um, helps with stability. Um, again, if it's a hip and it's somebody who's maybe trying to avoid surgery, um, 
you know, there's an article that they make us read when we're uh, training. It's called "Don't uh, Don't Throw Away the Cane." But canes can be very effective <laughs> on the opposite side. So usually, if you're dealing with an arthritic left hip, for instance, they would use the cane in the right hand to help offload that joint. And usually, if it's a knee, it, it seems to be more helpful on the side of the affected extremity. And Dr. Single, when do these injuries then require surgical intervention? You were just talking about preventative measures and first line of defense and medication. What about surgery? When does it get to that? Yeah. Um, again, I have my thoughts on it. Uh, obviously, when I when I speak with patients as to whether or not I think they're surgical candidates, but really, um, in most instances, it's when the the pain and the symptoms are affecting the patient's quality of life that they think that it's an option for them. Uh, I'm a very conservative surgeon, so I will typically try to steer people away from surgery if at all possible uh, because it's always, you know, your best last resort. Um, And, again, we can oftentimes uh, treat people successfully non-surgically for sometimes a period of several years, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, the longer you live with your God-given parts, the better you're going to be because our man-made parts, although they're excellent, um, they're man-made, and they're going to eventually wear out over time and potentially lead to more surgery. So, Again, if uh, you know you're somebody who's been struggling with pain, and we've we've tried some of these non-operative treatments, and maybe had some success or limited success or no success, then you know uh, surgery I think is an option for you. Again, if your symptoms are obstructing your quality of life to the point where you, you think it's reasonable. Doctor Single, wrap it up for us. Why should someone choose Tidelands Health for their orthopedic needs? Oh. Um, you know, Tidelands, I think, um, and I've, I've practiced uh, at some big institutions. I think um, Tidelands is an excellent community hospital. I mean, I'm impressed with the quality of the physicians here. Um, the nursing staff at our hospital, I think, is second to none. They're very attentive. Um, and then little things that patients maybe aren't aware of, the fact that the rooms are private rooms, you know, in most instances, which means you won't have a, a roommate that uh, is maybe going to keep you up all night, <laughs> which, uh, again, people aren't maybe savvy enough to think about. But it makes a big difference. You know, if you can get some sleep after one of these surgeries and people aren't constantly waking you up, I think that leads to better results. Um, again, I think it's more the people than the institution itself. It's, it's, it's who's caring for you. And, again, the, the ancillary staff here is excellent. I think we have a good core of, of people providing care and uh Again, I don't, I don't really hear people complaining uh, at all, as a matter of fact. It's a very rare situation where anybody comes in, and let's say it's a repeat customer, for instance, who maybe we've done a hip or a knee on in the past, and they're coming to have the other side done. I'll typically ask them if there's anything they wish would go differently this time, you know, in their care. And I almost never hear anybody say anything, you know. No, it was, I had a great experience. Everybody was nice. Everything was smooth. Everything was explained to me. You know, I tell my friends to come here. So, um, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a nice community hospital. Well, those are the things you definitely want to hear. And Dr. Single, thank you so much for your time today. For more information about Tidelands Health Physicians, services, and facilities, visit TidelandsHealth.org. That's TidelandsHealth.org. This is Better Health Radio. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.